Hello and welcome to Until We Arise podcast. This week's episode is entitled, Love is My Identity. Hello and welcome to Until We Arise, where we bridge a divided people to loving community, empowering resources, and a compassionate Christ. My name is Rachel. I'm the founder and CEO of Until We Arise. And my name is Vero, and I am our co-founder and CFO of Until We Arise. And our vision is to build a thriving global community of women who combat <laughs> injustice and oppression with love and compassion. And welcome to today's episode. Today's episode is entitled... Love is my identity. Ooh. Yeah, so this has been a message that truly has been on my heart for quite some time because I was doing a Bible study with a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. We were reading through the book of John and we were talking about the difference between John the disciple and John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so as we were jumping into that, um, I was really like trying to just talk about, oh, wait, well, because when you open the book of John, the first book of John, it starts to talk about John the Baptist, actually. And you're like, mm -hmm. wait, is this John the, you could easily get confused. Like it's talking about John the Baptist and the book is titled John. Is that the same guy who wrote it? And it's not. And I what I, mm -hmm. yeah, because if you don't pay attention, like you're reading the book of John. And then it's like, and John the Baptist, and like he's one of the first main characters that come mm -hmm. out as a part of the book of John. Now, the book of John is one of the gospels that is basically lays out the life of Christ, one of the four gospels. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then we have John, right? Um, and John was actually one of Jesus's closest disciples um, mm -hmm. next to Peter, right? So him and Peter were like right there in the inner circle with, um, with Jesus. And so what I love, and I think what really stuck with me is when I think about the story of, or the idea of identity, it really struck me because aside from mentioning of the, of the apostle, I mean, the John the Baptist, John himself mm -hmm. is not really self-identified in the, mm -hmm. in the, in the gospel, like saying, Hey, like, uh, I was here per se. Like it was, he doesn't say John, he doesn't name himself, but we do know it was the apostle John who wrote the book of John, the gospel of John. However, mm -hmm. what is significant here is the way he does identify himself in multiple verses, especially if we go to like John chapter 21, um, mm -hmm. he talks about himself as the one that the disciple whom Jesus loved. Mm -hmm. And that is the way that he identifies himself in the third person as he writes the gospel of John, the disciple who Jesus loved laid on his bosom, the, the Jesus's bosom at, um, at the supper. He, John, um, the, the disciple who Jesus loved was the one that was there with Peter when he was, um, when Jesus had the conversation in John 21, where he says, do you love me? Do you love me? <laughs> and he has that conversation with Peter after he has risen from the dead, after Jesus has risen from the dead. So it got me pondering why and what would come over a person to say, I don't want my name to be written in this book. I'd rather be known if I'm going to have to talk about myself as one of the disciples. I want to be, I want to be labeled as the one Jesus loved. Like that's kind of like saying, oh, instead of being called Rachel, can you call me Adeline's daughter? Or can you call me? Um, I don't want to be. Don't put my name in it. I'm the I'm the founder of C uh, founder of of Until We Arise. Oh wait, no, no, I'm Vettel's best friend, which I'm not your best friend, but I'm just saying, right? Uh, <laughs> and other people's best friends of statuses. Don't be but, uh, say it again. Don't be stealing best friends. I'm not. I was just using it as an example. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's like identifying yourself as who you're, who loves you versus who you are. And I thought that was really mm -hmm. profound. Like, mm -hmm. why would he, as he knows, he's walked with the Lord for these three years and now he's equipped with this and he decides to write down his encounter with yeah. Jesus. And he writes this whole, this, and try to encapsulate these three years of, tremendous ministry that he had walking with Jesus. And as he's writing that, he's like, yeah, when I talk about myself, I'm going to call myself the disciple Jesus loved. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. So that got me pondering identities. And then we can go a little deeper into that because I have some thoughts on it. But when we think about identity, mm -hmm. 
like there's a lot that come in like like i i can find myself saying okay well who are you rachel a lot of times like when you go on dates and stuff they'll be like so what do you do what do you do for a living mm-hmm. oh where are you from oh where what city what high school did you go to what college did you go to and these are yeah. ways of identifying ourselves right mm-hmm. um, so i was thinking like there's career relationship status some people are defined by their possessions. Like I own that business. I own that. I, I'm the guy who down the street who owns the Ferrari or something, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm the one who owns the house on the corner. People mm-hmm. will do that by that. Um, I'm defined by my ethnicity. I'm a proud Latina. I am I'm a Christian. I am a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I am a uh, part of the green party. <laughs> right? Like we have all these different things. Like I'm an educator. I'm like, whatever we might identify as those mm-hmm. are things that help us to kind of make sense in order in the world. I think, um, mm-hmm. how would you identify yourself? Like in those terms, what are the ways that you might identify yourself? Friend? Um, I would definitely identify myself as I think the first thing would be a Christian or at least like, yeah, a Christian believer in Jesus. Um, I would Latina, Mexican, daughter, wife, sister, um, artist, um, (laughs) co-founder. I think those are all like the different things I could think of to, to like label myself or identify myself. Those are like Mm -hmm. the main things that I feel like would be most important in my life to, to, to associate myself with. Yeah. And it's hard for me because I've I, like, I would, I guess I would say I too am Latina. I'm a proud Californian. I'm born here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm also, I'm really proud of being from LA. Um, I'm proud to be Puerto Rican and Mexican. Um, mm-hmm. I'm an educator. I am a teacher, like professional teacher, you know, um, I'm a minister of the gospel. I run a nonprofit, so that's part of my identity. Mm, I am also a daughter. I um, I am a, a sister. I'm a friend, I'm a mentor. I'm a student. <laughs> There's so many things. And it's funny because, you know, Pastor Jerry at our church has us like uh, annually. I don't do it every year, but I try to do our roles and goals. Like we talk about yeah. the roles that we like we wear but I think it's interesting because I remember discussing this at one at a different Bible study with a different church, kind of breaking down the difference between what we do and who we are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we interchange those things. Yeah. Like I'm the one who handles the money, but like, is that really who you are or is that just what you do? Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and ironically there was like, well, uh, last week we were doing um, our support group and mm-hmm. with uh, with the girls for the Not Alone support group that describes uh, mm-hmm. or is a place for women who have experienced loss of pregnancy, loss of um, uh, children, um, that kind of thing. And their conversation was surrounded or the topic was surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's interesting because as we become believers <laughs> And we are invited on a journey with God. While there are things that are beautiful about who we are, our mm-hmm. ethnicity, that he made us, there, our personality, our creative, our gifts, our talents. There are, I, re, I, I know there have been parts of my journey where God has asked me to surrender. Even these identities that I had placed so valuable on my list, so high. Mm-hmm. Like these are the things that if I don't have this, then suddenly I don't know who I am anymore. And it's yeah. pretty dangerous because like for me, when um, in 2017, when the Lord was inviting me into become, to start until we arise, we're inviting both of us to start until we arise. It was like, he was asking me to submit and surrender my identities that I had held, held to very strong things that I had worked really hard in. And I, I prided myself in, you know, like identities mm-hmm. in, not just like the things that um like me being latina and stuff like that but like my identity as an educator a teacher 
my identity as a homeowner and the 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 uh, the the pride or the status that came along with those labels. Yeah. But I did I do feel like the Lord was inviting me into a deeper um soul search i suppose of who i really am and that's what i think mm-hmm. is powerful in like the study of this this like after all that john did and all he experienced what did he what is his like encounter with jesus leave him how how did it how did his encounter with jesus leave him in terms of his identity like how he began to identify mm-hmm. himself after that encounter and if ours doesn't change, if we're not asked to surrender certain things, then are we really being transformed by him? You know, I know yeah. it's kind of wild, but I, I guess I'm just journeying together on here, friend. Like as you became a like not just a Christian, because I know that both of us were raised in the things of God. But as an adult, mm-hmm. have you found that there were things and identities that you had to surrender? Yeah, um, I think as you were sharing, I was thinking about um things that I've surrendered that were tied to my identity. And I think one thing that I, as I was listening to you and describe like what you would identify yourself as or the things that you're like proud of, of who you are. Um, I remember I used to like call myself a Cali girl. Like I am a Cali girl through and through. I used to oh, always like, remember always saying that like in high school or even in college, like, and I would even talk about like, I will never leave Southern California. Uh, <laughs> and so now um that's changed just a little um but I think like that was a big part that the Lord really dealt with my identity because I think part of um maybe like what you're getting to or I might be jumping ahead but um when we are unwilling to like surrender those those things like then there's limits that we begin to put on God and there's things that we're not willing to go outside of and so for me um Growing up in California, even though I wasn't born in California, even Southern California, um, I I think my identity identity became so rooted in that because part of it was trying to prove how American and how Californian I was. And so it's like, this is who I am. This is what I'm like connecting myself to. This is it. And I'm I'm never leaving, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember. I think it was in 2014, 2015, where they had the call at, yes. um, in, at the Coliseum in LA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember this probably, you can probably say this is when the Lord began to commission me, talk to me about mm-hmm. me being a mission. It was not at all. I was like, no, that's not it. Um, but I remember God we were praying and the, I remember just clearly the Lord telling me, this is not your home. And mm. I'm like, yes, Lord, heaven is my home. And he was like, no, 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 no. This is not your home. And wow. I was so afraid to even um, acknowledge what he was saying because I thought, what does that mean for me? I'm a Calif- I'm a Southern Cali girl. What does that mean? And so I think even that first step when he called me to go to New Jersey without knowing for how long or what for, that was a big step for me to even move across country. Like this is literally polar opposite of where I'm from. And I had to trust the Lord to say, can I surrender this part of my identity, right? Like, can I, um, can I lay this down or am I going to confide and say, no, I'm a Cali girl and I'm not leaving. And it was funny because I used to say, unless the Lord comes and tells me, because I, I guess I had enough um, respect of the Lord to say that. It's but, respectful, well, but is it though? Because I did the same thing and I'm like, well, Lord, you gonna have to like, it's like a little bit of an attitude. Like yeah, I heard right, you, but you better sure. make it clear. And like, who are we to, you know, but I hear and you. So, and so the Lord was like, okay go. And, um, and so, yeah, so I think that was probably, and I didn't, I don't think I realized it as it was happening in a sense. I knew I was leaving this place that I really loved, but I didn't realize how much that was intertwined in my identity until like coming back or even being there and just like missing what it meant to be there. And even living here in Mexico, um, I realized 
wow, that was really a big part of my identity. And now even as I've described myself, I realize like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even mention, like I did mention Mexican because that's where I'm born. And so um, that is something that the Lord has brought healing when it comes to my identity, but to be like, oh, I'm a Southern California girl. I don't, I guess, because I don't know that anymore. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, to, to let go of these things because we become so rooted in, um, and who we are with those things. We, we, I, like you said, we identify with those things. And so to give up some of these things, then all of a sudden you're left feeling like, then who am I? Who, who, who is Beto? Yeah. Who is Rachel? And you I know? think that's like the core, right? Because when we mm-hmm. find ourselves placing our, uh, the entirety of our identity in things that are temporal, things mm-hmm. of this world, yeah. things that we don't really, we think we have control over and we think will bring us fulfillment then we Mm -hmm. can get lost. And when those things are robbed of us or stripped from us, then, or, you know, just muddled and devalued by the world's standard, then we begin to lose who we are and we find ourselves in this identity crisis. Yeah. But that's why I think that this hit me so profoundly because when John, who wrote the gospel and then we're not, I, I was reading up a bit about this, so I don't know if he was actually the writer of first, second, third John, but most people think that he was. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so him, his ability to write those parts as well. But I feel for me, it feels like it is, especially when we think of first John for 19, is it that it talks about perfect love, cast out all fear. Is that, is, I think that's where it is. Forgive me if I'm wrong. We can edit it in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it we'll add it we'll attach a comment if I'm, I'm misquoting but the <laughs> idea is that the concept of love and how it's discussed it's to me it coincides so profoundly with how the gospel of john is written because mm-hmm. the gospel of john talks about how like the famous john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only mm-hmm. begotten son and then even out of all the gospels the conversation of jesus talking to peter saying peter do you love me do you love it's only recorded in the book of john and so when i yeah. think about this concept of love being so profound in john's experience you can mm-hmm. see why he starts to say like oh no no like i don't want to be remembered for my name i don't want to mm-hmm. be remembered for what i did I want to be remembered for being loved by God because by accepting that love and being at a position to say, I don't know about anything else that I've done with my life, but I know that I was loved by my savior. I was loved by Jesus, right? Nobody can rob me of having that love, that love experience that can't be shifted. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's Mm -hmm. profound because there's so much healing that can happen with all of us who have, like, especially with the oppressed people groups, right? Uh, I'll, I'll just start as women. Let's talk about how women have been often stigmatized for a number of things. Like, right, so I'm a 41-year-old woman who has not had children, you know, or even the conversation around women who have lost children. And they, like, I, I think it's just close and near and dear to me now as we've launched this ministry of Elia's Gifts. So I look, and while some of them have had children that they've been able to, many women will have children, but then they still experience the loss. There are mm-hmm. others who never have had the opportunity or they haven't had the opportunity. And for some mm-hmm. reason, because we identify ourselves by, and we value ourselves oftentimes by, by the thing that our body can produce, like the, mm-hmm. the like being able to get like we as women have been believed that our value and our the the value of our existence is our ability to create children and when that mm-hmm. if that is who we identify as as women who are making children which is a beautiful identity it's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing that we're able to experience for many yeah. of us but if that is entirely what we're rooted in and yet that privilege has been kept from us for whatever reason illnesses Mm -hmm. life happens different things then we suddenly feel less of a person less of a woman and Mm -hmm. and it's interesting like and I think that that was a big deal for me in my in my late 20s and my early 30s because I found myself on a quest to find me (laughs) I had to find me and I remember like realizing that many people in the world were chasing like romance and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with romance. Like, you know, you're you're in love. <laughs> like, we have beautiful love things, right? 
But when we yeah. think about we as women, and, and this is happens for men as well, but I'll just, I can't speak entirely from a male perspective, obviously, because right. I'm not a boy, but as a female who has said, okay, like, do I matter? And this is a problem in the church. I'll be honest. Do I matter? Can I do ministry if I'm not connected to a man? Can I send mm. out Christmas cards if I'm not married? Can mm. I... Can I exist in the world and find happiness without a partner to, sh to validate my existence? And it's not a huge yeah. question in your early 20s. It's not a huge question in your teenage years. It becomes an issue kind of socially at school. But when you start to hit your mid to late 30s, and once you start to hit your 40s, you're like, do mm -hmm. I even matter if I'm not partnered with someone, if I'm not connected to someone? Mm -hmm. And it's entirely problematic because then when women face like even the fear of oh, who am I partnered with? I need to hurry up and get a, a partner. I need to know that I matter, that somebody loves me. Oof. Mm. Somebody says that I'm important daily. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we will sacrifice everything good for in our lives for that validation. Mm -hmm. And when that's robbed from us through infidelity or divorce or death mm -hmm. or anything else and we lose that one person that we held our entire identity in mm. we suddenly are lost mm -hmm. and that is what something i feel like the lord never wants from us he doesn't want to yeah. find he doesn't allow us to feel like he in the in matthew in matthew 5 44 6 um <laughs> Sorry, I know the word. Sometimes I forget where it is. But it's be perfect, therefore, as your father in heaven is perfect. He wants us not to be perfect in behavior, which we always talk about, like, because, you know, my experience of what the Lord was showing me in that season of like the perfect series that we taught and I wrote about. But it was like this completeness. He desires us for us to to stand strong, steady, whole, full, complete, not shaken. And will the things of this world be tempting to shake us? Will the things of this world cause us sometimes to, to wonder and to look, but like Peter did on the water saying, keep your eyes on the Lord. I have you. Yes. The realities of this storm are around you. And yes, the reality of gravity is right underneath you. But if you keep your eyes on me, you will walk on water. You keep your eyes on me and you will be steady. You're not going to be tossed around by every wind of doctrine, right? Where we're looking around and we're saying, oh, well, today it's cool to be, I'm about to get crazy. But like, you know, in the nineties, it was like a huge thing for JLo to be a curvy woman because it was like a huge thing. No, but it was like, not, it was like all the Kate Moss years where everybody was skinny. Now JLo pops on the scene and it's like, oh, this woman is now curvy and everybody wants a voluptuous bottom right like and it changed the game but then you go to a new series and now like now like you have other things that are more popular or skin yeah. tans and <laughs> I don't mean to like go too many crazy places but it's like coming back to where we identify like where we find our identity and if our identity is found in all these other things we will often find ourselves shaky and yeah. I, I feel that conviction when it comes to having children or feeling like I need a husband, which I desire. And I know the word says all these beautiful things about uh, a cord of three is not easily broken. And it's better. Two is better than one and all these wonderful things. But I don't want my identity to rely on just those things because mm -hmm. those things are temporal. Those things can fade. And not that we can't trust and love people, but those things fade. Those identities fade. The thing like, yeah. I'll say one more thing. And I know that you can speak to this. And I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> I want you to jump in. But like when it comes to like even my career, mm -hmm. I believed that my, my position as an educator said, oh, I'm valuable in this way. Mm -hmm. Like I have a role in society. And when I was... When I was laid off from my job as a principal, I was like, am I still an educator? Mm. Oh my gosh, who am I? And then when I went back into the field and God asked me uh, six months after that to quit the position that was going to give me back all the way into the groove of like education, 
back on that same track that would make me feel complete again because that's what I'm called to do and that's what I identify as an educator. An educator gets me money. An educator gives me status. An educator keeps me in what I'm support. What looks good in front of my family. It's honorable. It's a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. And when God's like, submit, surrender that identity to me, I'm forced to say, well, then what am I left mm-hmm. with? Yeah. I don't know how, can you identify with it? I said a lot, but anything that you would impart, you'd. Yeah. No, I was just thinking as you're talking, um, I was thinking even as like where we're growing up and mm. what do you, what do kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what do you want to be? Not what do you want to do? And we, like, we are mm. socialized into um, tying our identity with the things that we do and the things that we focus on doing with our lives. And I think even, especially, I mean, in, in any in any season of, of life, but I think it's so easy when we're single to dive into, especially like you said, if we are, sometimes we're more aware of, I think in this society, we're more aware of being tied to a relationship status. So there is this, and I love it because I've been, I was able to really enjoy my singleness um, after some time of lamenting my singleness, but where our society is like, no, it's okay to be single. And it is, it's, it, it has a whole different purpose and you can do so much. But I think even in that we identify as like the, the single independent woman or mm. just, you know, we dive into so many things when you're single that you start grabbing your identity and those things. And then like, like you mentioned, they're, they're temporary. And I think it was reminded me of the passage that says, um, I don't know where it's at. So I'll, oh, we're on like, a we're on the same theme this time then. <laughs> <laughs> but it says um, how how God is this is the solid rock, right? And mm. any other ground sand, and that's been like on my heart lately. It's just God, you are my solid rock. You are my my firm foundation, and it's because like He is consistent. Like He stays. These other things they can be taken away at any moment. You know your career, and that's something that. I mean, we hear like, here's the thing, like, I feel like there's these things we hear in society and they have like at the core, like a a good message, but it's rooted in all these different things. But like, for example, we, I've heard in a lot of the self-care things with work, it's like the job will replace you like that. So you got to take care of yourself, you know, don't put your career first. And I get it. Like I said, they come from healthy places, but checking the heart behind all those things. But in reality, you get sick or all of a sudden they got to cut back and and you're fired. And like you said, then who am I now? You know, um, or you didn't perform enough or you didn't, you know, meet certain requirements. And, and then now who are you if, if in your, like you shared, you know, I'm not an educator or, you know, I'm not a case manager anymore or whatever that is, or you identify yourself, you know, you put your identity and living in a certain place. And then all of a sudden you can't live there anymore, either because Mm. you get deported leave you lose your home whatever the things are and then now who am I if I'm not a Californian you know mm-hmm. all these different things and so for me I know there's been um, I guess as we're talking there's different things that pop up you know um and I think for me like now as a wife like I was a wife before and when we separated that was major for me it, yeah. it felt like my life fell apart and like you said it's kind of like who am I now? Am I not a wife anymore? Um, am I, and I think going like to the love is, it's like, am I not loved anymore? Because me being loved was rooted in a specific person, you know? And even before that, you know, with, with family, you know, not having my dad around, him not wanting to be around. It's like, hmm. am I not loved? Am I not good enough? And that's the thing, like, as these things get pulled away from us, then the value we put our identity comes with value. And so if it is in these things and all of a sudden they ripped away or we don't get them the way um, we see other people receive them, um, then all of a sudden it's, am I not worthy enough? Am I not, do I not have the value as so-and-so or as um, this institution or this person deems because now I'm dropped. And so um, I don't have this value anymore. And I think in this season, one of my biggest prayers became, God, I want you to be sufficient for me. Yeah, I want you to be enough for me. Where if everything else was taken away, you are enough for me. You know, and I think it came from 
my my previous marriage being just falling apart and I had to say am I really only holding on and valuing my relationship with God until something better comes along which but it was like is say that that again because I think my sound cut you off say that one more time (laughs) oh man you know it's like am I valuing God only until something better comes along or is he really enough if he is all I have is, is that enough for me? Is that sufficient for me? And and God has been reminding me of that recently. And and literally, I think a couple of days ago, I was just like, God, you are still enough for me. How you are still all that I need. Yeah. Because, and that was my prayer. I remember saying, God, I don't want you to be my stand-in husband until a husband comes around. And then it's like, okay, God, thank you. You served your purpose. You can go now. Like, mm-hmm. no, I want this. And that is what he wants for us. It's like, know who you are in me, like, yeah. because that's what's going to, to withstand the storm. That's what's going to, your value is in that. And I think as you were sharing with John, like, I remember hearing, I think it was Pastor Jerry, maybe that I heard him kind of talk on it before. And it was him knowing who he was. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I'm, I'm an, I'm an, uh, I mean, he knew I'm, I'm a disciple, I'm an apostle, but the core of it is I'm loved by God. Yeah, you know, and I, I, it reminds me of some of the questions that one of the questions we ask on our interviews: What legacy of love do you want to leave? You yeah. know, and it's like I'm loved by God. Like, what a legacy to say. You can forget anything I've done. You can forget where I've lived. You can forget the careers. You can forget everything. But the one thing I want to be reminded, remembered as, is I was loved by God. Like, wow. man, and not, not even I loved God, right? But he loved, he loved me. me. Yeah. I was worthy and valuable enough for him to love me. That is definitely out of this world. Because <laughs> yeah. we, we think on those terms. And that's the challenge. We don't think on those terms. We mm-hmm. are so focused on the things that are right in front of us. And no matter how atheist you are, <laughs> no matter how practical you want to call yourself the reality is we know that there's more to this world than what we there, there there's more than the world than what we see yet mm-hmm. we find ourselves trapped by these ideals right like mm-hmm. i like whether it's like we get so caught up like i need to i need to get this house i i need to have a house otherwise am i even successful if i don't own a home I need to own a home so I can have my stake and plot of land. And so that way my children have their place and their children's children and children's children have it. It's like, hold up. Like, mm-hmm. wait, how did we get yeah. so consumed? Even as Americans, right? Saying my identity is being American. I'm so proud mm-hmm. to be an American. I'm proud. That's what I am. Yeah. What happened was when that's ripped from you. Mm-hmm. or God invites you to live elsewhere, does now your entire identity fall apart? Mm-hmm. Not if it's not if it's rooted in who loves you, which is him. Right. Mm-hmm. I actually want to like transition just a little bit though, because I know we are, we're really going in on, <laughs> on this idea, but I like to say that I feel like the Lord is also, and we should be very gr- gentle and gracious towards the fact that there are other important roles that we carry and identities that we possess that mm-hmm. the Lord is sensitive to. We just mm-hmm. can't put them above the identity of being loved by him. Right. That must go first because that is what we were here for, for us to have communion and be in a loving relationship with our father. Right. Yeah. That was our whole mm-hmm. intention. So it's not that these other, the other ones aren't valuable. But mm-hmm. they are out of, um, they're inappropriately positioned in our life or valued if we put them above mm-hmm. our relationship with God and us yeah. being loved by him. Because like, for instance, um, again, going back to the desire to be a mom. And I can, I don't even speak to the ones who I can speak to the women who have had miscarriage, right? I I get that part and it's a whole other journey, but let's speak to what mine is. I think it's just being in that community and being a part of that community has made me a different kind of sensitivity, paying attention to it. But me being a woman who is waiting on the Lord at 41, my years of like many of my friends already have 20 year olds, you know, like this is a reality I'm around. A lot of them have teenagers. A lot of them have babies, at least, you know, toddlers. And I'm like, okay, 
And so the desire to long for children can be consuming. Mm-hmm. But then you're consumed with being a good mom once you become a mom, let's just say, right? And then mm-hmm. I see people consumed by that. Sorry if you hear all the noise. I've been trying. <laughs> the ambulance made me sneeze, apparently. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I'm allergic to ambulance. It's, it's, it's. <laughs> um, no, but then once you have a child, then you're like, okay, I must be a good parent. Mm-hmm. You're obsessed with that idea. You'll be, mm-hmm. be a good mom. And then sometimes tragedy happens or just your kids move out and you're like now stuck with an empty de- and empty nest syndrome. And then you long for a new identity that's going to give you meaning and purpose again. And mm-hmm. it's like this constant, this constant chasing of identity is dangerous. Mm, yeah like where do i find it and if my this is, happens a lot especially once you get to this age right you're like when are you going to give me grandbabies then like you can see parents desiring that next level now are does the lord promise this to us does he want us to be fruitful and multiply does he want right. us to be mothers yes all those things but not above being loved by him and yeah. i think i like aside i mean i i think the gospel of John is probably my favorite out of, aside from all the stories of David, right? Um, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it because when I look at the, like the story of David in first and second Samuel or first Samuel, no, oh, first and second Samuel. And then the stories of, of like walking through his experience in the book of Psalms, you know, through the many of the, the like those are, and, and the book of John, maybe the poetry and the love component of it, but it's not romanticized. That's what I think is powerful. No. Ah. This love is not a romanticized love that has been manufactured by our media. Like, it's not that. It is a love that stands, a love that leans into difficult times, a love that doesn't promise that bad things won't happen, but a love that says Mm -hmm. that I will be with you through all the things, whether they're good or bad. It's a love Mm -hmm. that stands the test of time beyond our existence that started before we were born and extends to far after we're gone from this earth. Yeah. It's a love that doesn't fail. Mm-hmm. And that is a tremendous idea to to kind of take on. But I think like this delicate balance of it not being like the Lord is just, these other identities don't matter. They do. Right. These yeah. other identities matter. They just can't be above him. So when we long for children, long for marriage, when we long for a career, when we long for a position in ministry, we long for these different things. It's not that those are bad, but if they are things that we long for above being loved by him, it becomes problematic. Yeah. That's my thought. Yeah. I think even um, there's a song that I'm thinking of right now. It's by Jimmy Needham. And I don't remember what it's called, but he talks in one of the lines. It says, anything I want I don't remember exactly now, but it's just something along the lines, like anything I want more than God is an idol. And I remember also hearing about this when we were taking the um, SFL class, the spiritually. Yeah. Spiritually fruitful. I can't remember the whole. Yeah. And pastor Jerry talked about that. Like whatever. Supernaturally fruitful leadership. No. Sure. Um, Is there anything, sorry, anything, that you think you're missing to make oh, this yeah. successful is an idol. And it goes back to the to the thought of it's because God needs to be our first. The word itself says, without God, we can do nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing that's worth of value, right? And but it also says with Christ we can do all things. Yeah. So it's like the thing that we need is the Lord. And so going back to our identity. Like you said, it's not that all these other things don't matter. He cares, you know, that you look in the word and he, and he talks about, you know, family. And, and um, I think even in one, like he, he addresses the, the Pharisees for not allowing people to take care of their families. If I, I can't remember how it's phrased, but I remember he says something like you, you put this burden on them and now they can't care for their loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um so he cares about these other things, you know, he, he talks about husbands and wives, he talks about parents and children. So he cares about these other parts of our life. But like you said, it's him first, because then he says, if you don't hate your father and mother, 
Ooh. And it's like, but you tell me to honor my father and my mother so that I have, so that all my days will go well with me. So what, which one is it, Lord, hate or, or honor? And I think like, I, I think I've heard it many times described in comparison to God. If you don't love God so much, and I remember that was a thing that I had to also, like I was, even though I had my moments with my mom growing up and I, um, she would probably have stories to share of how I wasn't the perfect child, but do we need to bring her on the show? We do not need to bring my mom on the show, but she's cute. So maybe, um, but I tried my best to obey my mom and I, and it came from not having a dad. And so wanting to prove that I deserved my mom's love. And so I wanted to appease her as much as possible. And it came to the point where God was starting to lead me in a way that I had to make decisions that she didn't agree with as an adult, right? Let's keep that in mind. As yeah. an adult, like I had to make certain decisions that she didn't like. And that yeah. if it was up to her, I was not going to make. And I was all of a sudden caught between, in a sense, my mom and God. And it's not that my mom was, you know, my mom loves the Lord. My mom right. dedicated me to the Lord. My mom all her life has said, the safest place for me to leave you is in God's hands. And all of a sudden she was being confronted and that was her own journey. But for me, God was, was asking me, are you willing to do this? Or only as long as your mom is okay with it. Mm. And, and how to learn what honor my mom meant in that season was really hard. And in a sense, I had to let go of my identity as you know, the obedient daughter in a sense, because I was still honoring her, but I wasn't obeying her because if it was to her, up to her, I wouldn't have left to Jersey. If it was up to her, I wouldn't have, you know, not gone back to my old job. If it was up to her, I wouldn't have left the country. And those were decisions that we were at heads with. And thankfully the Lord made way for us to have these conversations, but I had to be willing to step out of that identity and say, no, God comes above these things. And I, it was, it's hard because she's your mom. And if you're Latina, don't talk back to your mom. Um, but I had to seek the Lord and how to have these conversations. But I remember telling my mom, I said, this is who you raised me to be. Mm -hmm. You, you told me I can do all things in Christ. You told me to live a life that honors God. And this is it. And, you know, she, she recognized that and said, you're right. You know, and it was actually um, a story that your mom shared at one of the beauty brunches that the Lord used to speak to her to say, yeah, I got to trust the Lord with my daughter and her be okay with surrendering me to him. And, you know, in her, in, in a sense, her surrendering that part of her identity. But for me, I had to be willing to say, okay, God, do I value you enough to put you above even the highest, um, the, the, the thing, the person that I value the most in my life, the mm -hmm. person that, you know, there are many decisions I made because I knew that it would please my mom, whether it was career choice, whether it was whatever it was, there were many things. And God said, but do I value my relationship with you, your identity in relations to who you are to me? Is that the most thing that you value or is it your mom? And yeah. that was hard for me culturally. Um, just within my family, it was just hard. And I yeah. had to make that decision, you know, but the beauty is that um, I think I recently, well, we've all seen the meme where the little girl doesn't want to give Jesus her teddy bear and God has the bigger oh, teddy yes. bear behind him. Mm -hmm. um, and so I recently was reading on that. Um, someone was using that example as something that they had to surrender to God. And, but she talks about how, but God always has something better for you. And oh, in, those, in that season of having to surrender that identity between me and my mom, God brought so much healing between her and yeah. I. And, you know, we're not perfect. And I think I've shared this before, but her and I have such a much better relationship. And it's made us living apart so much um, easier because I think if we still had the relationship where it was based for me on performance or I would have, this would have been really hard and it would have, um, I think in a sense, like 
that could have been ripped from me and that would have been harder versus me surrendering it to the Lord. That's so good. Because he's given me so much more than what I thought was going to come out of that. And at the end of the day, you know, like if my, not if, when my mom passes away, don't cry. When my mom passes away, um, I'm okay because I know we're good. But I also know because my identity, who I am, is not based on being her daughter. My identity is based on being his daughter, being on the daughter of the God Most High, the 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 one who who never changes, the one who never ends. He, you know, the word says he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. Yeah. The one who was, is, and is to come. And so, he goes outside of time, and that is why it's like, that's why I can stand secure in my identity in Him because. It's not, it's not shaky. And I, mm-hmm. there's an, the Lord speaks to me through music, but um, there's another song by, I think it's Stephanie Gretzinger. If not, it's Bethel, but it's pieces. And it shares how God's love is not given in pieces, you know? And I think that was such, um, it was a song that helped me in a very um, shaky time of my life where God showed me, no, I love you. And being loved by me is is who you need to know that you are like and my love is not broken it's not i think it says it's not insecure um it's proud to be seen with you like things and i just remembered being like man god really loves me and so that identity no one can take from you like you shared you yeah know? like john knew that is something that no one can take from you being loved by God. No one can, who can come and be like, God doesn't love you. Like, no, I walked with him. (laughs) And it's like, I laid my head on his bosom. Like that's what he's like. He's legit. Like, he's like, let me make sure that's included. Like I know his heart. I know the beat of his heart. Oh, he knew Mm -hmm. this. If he put his head on Jesus's chest, like he would have heard the beat of his heart. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, I think that actually, I I don't mean to like transition, but I do. There's a couple of things like, I kind of want to say something different, but I'm going to, okay, I'm going to say it. I remember the mom struggle Uh Uh, because I remember your Thea called, your mom says you're having like this existential crisis. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and she was like, I don't understand what my daughter's going through. Can you talk some sense into her? (laughs) Uh, But it was similar to my journey. So I'm not just putting you out there. I just remember that. Um, Yeah. Uh, but like for me, it was like this girl's tripping. She's about to lose her house, and my mom was like sending me like, mm-hmm. "This is the way you can save I your know. house. Save your house. This is an option. This is." An-. I'm like, "Mom, the Lord is telling me to let it go." And she, it would it did not make sense. So like, why would you get rid of your house? The Lord is telling mm-hmm. me. So I I understand. I think we kind of went through those journeys um, not simultaneously, but kind of like right back to back. And I feel like God He does that to us, you know, to help us yeah. get through this journey. But um. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple things you said though, and I want to then I want to go into like the how, right? But mm-hmm. I like when you said was that God uh, has better, better for us, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's key to understand that better doesn't mean it's going to be what you expected and how mm-hmm. you expected it to look. That's good. Yeah. Right. Like if I, mm-hmm. if the Lord is like give me your apple watch and i'm like okay lord he's gonna give me the upgraded one wait no 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 he might not be giving you an upgraded <laughs> apple watch like he may be asking for my apple watch but then i get um a freedom that i don't have to have any concept of time in my life and i'm like now on an island where all i do is vacation all day like that's better than an apple watch like i think like do you know what i mean like he knows yeah. the innermost workings of our heart and it mm-hmm. sounds like well wait you didn't answer my prayer Oh, but did I though? Because you don't need to worry about time anymore or messages or you don't have reception here. So what do you need an Apple watch for? Like, that's Mm -hmm. the way he works. And it's so, it's so interesting. Sometimes it'll be, especially when we're younger in the Lord, he's like, I'm trying to show you that I'm here. He's like, you give me the LaCroix and I'll give you a bigger LaCroix. Like it's simple. He shows us like that. But as we grow and we invite him on like that, that journey with a little girl chasing like, or holding on to the sheep and she's like, "Ah," or a little boy, whoever it was, or on the little girl on the ride where she's like following Jesus is like, "Ah," you know, (laughs) it's like that. It's like scary to be on our journey with the Lord because it doesn't always like, we can't put God into a box. But we mm-hmm. do have promises that we can hold on to. 
Yeah. And I think like what I what I really wanted to handle and I or discuss briefly is like how. Like how mm. do we find our identity? How do we move with the boldness to say my identity is being loved by him? How do we get to the position mm. and to the place where John was? Where mm. he could say I'm going to go down in history unnamed in my own book. I just want to be named as somebody who is loved by God. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. How do we get to that kind of confidence and boldness in how we move in our lives? How do we get there? And there are, uh, there's one thing that I wanted to bring, bring home. And I know your, your brain is going, going like, how, I don't know. (laughs) Um, but there's two things that I, two examples, because I feel like the Lord showed me this in our prayer time this mm-hmm. morning. So the first one is obviously what I've already touched on. John walked with Jesus. John mm-hmm. was one of the closest. He understood with the identity, what it meant to be loved by him in such a way that long after Jesus died and John lived on and on, probably one of the, like to be one of the oldest disciples, if not the oldest, I can't remember. He mm-hmm. experiences this life and until the like, The last part of his life when he's writing, I believe he wrote the book of Revelation too, right? Like he's writing this. It's like like he understood the power of what it meant to be loved by God. Is it John? Mm -hmm. I don't want to Revelation. Yeah. I think so. I think it is him. I don't want to have, let me, I have it right here. I'll look. (laughs) I don't want to be wrong. But it comes back to him having been I don't want to be, that's a big mistake. Hold up. Yeah. The apostle John, we're good. <laughs> I was pretty sure. I'm like, wait, that's a really like bad stretch if it's not true. Um, but like the how is like in spending time. And, and it was funny as I was worshiping the Lord and we were praying. And I believe that's the favor of the Lord that comes upon us with having this ministry, the way he's calling us is that as we look at it, like we spend time in worship and prayer. It's not just talking about it. And I was like in prayer and I was taken to, um, in my mind, like a, shep- a, sh- a shepherd's field, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I was, I envisioned David and I went back to, to look at um, the beginning of David's life. Mm-hmm. And when David, after he's anointed, he still goes back to the field and he works. And this is the book of First Samuel. And then the anointing that was covering Saul or the presence of God had been removed from him. And he was tormented with an evil spirit. But the presence of the Lord was with David. So when he was looking for peace, David actually was called. And when he was recommended, they said, um, uh, the son of Jesse has a good name, right? He's a man of good presence and the Lord is with him. Mm. And that is how he was invited to help play and play the music for Saul um, yeah. to help to remove the the spirit, the evil mm. spirits that he was feeling and that was tormenting his mind. And I, and I had this vision of David worshiping. How would they know that that was his character unless he was known for being that, for yeah. doing that? He would be known for being in the field, singing and worshiping the Lord. He would have been known for the character of, of having spent time with the Lord. And that is why the Lord calls him and the word calls him a man after my own heart. Mm-hmm. And even after he became king and his wife, who was Saul's daughter, came mm-hmm. around and was criticizing him, he just to be near the presence of God with the Ark of the Covenant, he would dance into to, to, to shame almost. So they would say, what did they call him? It? it was like, um, uh, like you're embarrassing yourself, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Undignified. How undignified are you? And mm-hmm. like, oh, Lord, that I would be considered undignified for the for the to be in your presence that I would say, okay, I may not, you can, you can take away this crown. You can take away this identity because it doesn't matter if it's going to be above me being loved mm. by God. I don't yeah. want it. Wow. And I think the key to being able to identify ourselves as people being loved by God is spending time with him, mm-hmm. reading the word, listening to the word, worshiping, praying, and not just at church. It has to be in our own time and not Mm -hmm. in a disciplined way. It can be disciplined, but not in like a a controlling, like, oh, I need to like, no, but really like to let that love settle in and let him into all the areas that feel unlovable and -hmm. say, God, I need this cleansed. I want you to, your love to be 
I want you to love, I want your love to cover my ethnicity. I want your love to cover my, my height, my education. I want your love to cover um, my role as a mom, as a daughter, as a, as a husband, as a wife. I want your identity, your love to cover that. And let, let me be known. Let love be my identity. Mm. I don't know your thoughts on that as we close out. Yeah. And no, I, I, I a lot. No, it's okay. I agree. Like it's um, because people can tell you it's, you know, people can tell you like God loves you, but mm. it's in spending time with him. It's in that time that as you read your Bible, as you spend time in prayer and worship, God starts revealing it to you. You know, and as you spend time with him, I think we talked about um, intimacy, right? And knowing his yeah. voice. And so it's as you read his word, you begin to know it's, you know, I talk to you. I, I you know, I can I can pick up the tones of how you speak because I, 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 I'm around you all the time. And it's the same with the Lord. You read the word and you start knowing how he speaks. So when you're out and about and things happen and God is trying to speak to you, it resonates because you, you know how he speaks. You've, you've, you've been accustomed to it, you know? And so it's in that spending time with God that he begins to reveal that to you. He begins, and not just through like how he speaks, but even in the actual verses, like there's specific mm -hmm. verses that talk about how God loves us, you know, mm -hmm. how he has, um, he's adopted us, you know, how mm -hmm. we're no longer but we've been given the this, this, this spirit of, of adoption. He calls us sons and daughters. You know, we're, we're co-heirs with Christ. We're friends. And so there's all this language in the word that tells us God loves us. He wants to be with us. You know, we talked, um, I think also in the intimacy, when we talked about how he says, I just want to be your God and you, my people, like you begin to see his heart to say, I just I want us to be identified together. And I think that's so beautiful. And as you start to spend that time with God and you start opening your heart to him, it's just like he starts trusting us with more of that. And he's like, oh, you're a trustworthy place for me to share these things. And he starts telling us that. And so it's no longer, well, my mom told me or my Sunday school teacher told me God loves me or the preacher on the corner told me God loves me. But you start saying, no, I I experienced it for myself. Mm -hmm. you know, like, in his bosom. I walked with him. I, I heard his heartbeat. I know he loves me. He called me beloved. Like, I don't care what you say. I know what he told me. And yeah. that's like sometimes why we make these radical choices, right? In our in our life, like you said, you know, like selling the house or moving to another country. It's because I know God spoke yeah. to me. He said it. I know it's crazy, but this is what he said. And it comes like I, I know that you, you're you mad at me or I know this person left me or I know that this or that, but I know God loves me because I yeah. read it. I experienced it. You know, um, my husband likes to call um, these things like coincidences that people can call, but he things that you know it's God doing things for you. Kind of like you said, you, you give this up and he gives you something better, but it, he calls it fingerprints of God. Like mm -hmm. it shows that God. You know, and it's, he starts showing himself to you in different parts of your, your life that reinforce the, not that idea, but the truth that God loves us. That's you so know, good. Things that happen, you're just like, I, I think, um, I've had a couple people tell me, and so I joke, I'm like, I'm God's favorite, but I know I'm not. God loves a lot of everybody, but I've had two people in my life in the season of me moving to Mexico that would tell me. I don't know what you have, like, I don't know what's up, but God loves you. Like God just moves things for you. He does things yeah. for you. And I'm like, I mean, there's things that I can tell you that have not happened. But <laughs> I think back and no, he does. He does love me. He's taking yeah, care of me. He's, for sure. He's provided me. He's, he's, he's held me even in the untangible ways he's been there for me. And I'm just like, yeah, only, only someone who loves you that way is does those does that for you is there for you like that's that. so good and so no one can take that from me yeah that's so beautiful friend and i think that that's what carried john right john continued mm -hmm. on and, and into the book of acts he was right alongside with peter mm -hmm. watching the miracles happen um at the at pentecost watching watching people be healed and so what a beautiful thing my prayer for everyone here who's on the call is that you have an encounter with God that transforms you, that his love covers you. 
and that you are empowered with a boldness that allows you to move forward and say, I am loved by God. And that that Mm -hmm. loving, that love by him will be your identity. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being with us. And we have a lot of things going on. So check out our website at untilwearise.org and follow us on Instagram and all of our social media platforms. And friend, until we arise. Um, until we arise, um, what won't change in our lives, in our communities, in our families, and in our world. Amen. Until we arise. Until we rise. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.